the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're heading back to the early 90s and reliving the VHS revolution with Conleth Hill in The Power of Parker on BBC One, experiencing the ups and downs of a British Jamaican filmmaker trying his best to crack into the industry while sidestepping casual racism in BBC comedy Dreaming Whilst Black, and taking a trip to the Lebanon for a spot of CIA action with Dermot Mulroney in Ghosts of Beirut on Paramount+. Plus. Plus... Speaking of CIA action, Zoe Saldana joins us on this week's show to chat all things Special Ops Lioness, which we reviewed on last week's Pilot Plus. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, your essential guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that has decided that while... I continue to valiantly pitch the Pilot TV TV show to ITVX, although they have singularly failed to call me and make a seven-figure offer for the privilege, as specified. I now have a second project in <laughs> development. So, so Channel 5, this one's for you. Are you listening? Because I'm thinking a five-part stripped-across-the-week drama simply entitled Queuing for Taylor, which recounts <laughs> the roller coaster drama of my attempts to secure Taylor Swift tickets last week. Now, call me Channel 5. This one is a winner. It's absolutely a winner. But every winner, unfortunately, there must be a loser. And in this particular case, it's you two guys. Boyd and Kay, for you are with me. How are you? Are you good? Oh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm Bye, well. I'm just You're well. Yeah. And great. Good. Good. Well, okay, so you're Riveted the losers. Already. You're the losers because I'm going to pitch the show to you in full right mm-hmm. here, right now, so you can tell me what you think of it. So before we take it to Channel 5 for their approval, you guys get to sign it off first. Okay, so so for those of you listening, many of you will, of course, be very familiar with the story of this already, having watched it, the whole heart-stopping drama of this unspooled in real time on my Instagram over the last week. Um, others of you will simply not give a shit, but please do bear with me, <laughs> bear with me. This is a public service announcement. If you do not wish to sit through the following 12-minute version of my Taylor Swift ticket odyssey, then do feel free to skip it. Just head to the time code, which is in the podcast description notes. It's about 14.14. Uh, unfortunately, there's also a lot of Arsenal chat from Boydie after this. Frankly, you're just going to have to deal with that. I'm so sorry. If I had to suffer through it, so do you. I should start this particular story, or pitch, if you will, uh, by saying that I last bought tickets for a gig in 2006 for Audio Slave. So I'm not what you would call uh, a, like a veteran, really, this sort of thing. So, so rather than just buying tickets for this Taylor Swift gig that I wish to attend, you had to register for what was essentially a lottery in which you might get selected to try and buy tickets for whichever city you'd selected. Unless, of course, like Ben Travis, you pre-ordered her album on the official Taylor Swift site, in which case you got pre-sale tickets a week earlier and crucially didn't get any for your long-standing empire colleagues because you're a complete cad anyway but i digress so i i registered for london liverpool and edinburgh thinking i'd be all sorted you know uh i did all that the week before and i got selected for precisely none of them and put on a wait list so so also what's more no one i know got selected and almost no one i've seen on social media got selected either just to give you an idea of how utterly insane this whole farago was so so the few people who did get codes couldn't share them as they were bound to your account so even if you like the traitor ben had got tickets through pre-sale <laughs> you couldn't pass on your on-sale codes even if you wanted to so all of this happened on friday all this drama i was downloaded into my brain on friday i was like oh my god this is an absolute nightmare uh what am i going to do about it but i wasn't not deterred. So it's Monday morning. 
as we open. It's Monday. I have my email window open. I was refreshing it constantly all day to see if I might possibly get off the wait list and get through a purchase code, right? So so, so they split, uh, the way they did it, they split all her UK dates up and staggered the sales throughout the day. So it was like one at 11, one at one, one at three. And and those were spread throughout the week. So you got like, there were Monday things. Just, so this is why a stripped across the week drama on Channel 5 works so brilliantly because it kind of mirrors the way they sold the tickets. It's genius, God. boy. Come on, this is genius, right? Right? You're feeling the genius mm. here. I can tell. Yes. I can tell by expression. You are loving this. Anyway, anyway, so I'm refreshing my email all day. Absolutely nothing. Now, here's where the first bit of drama comes. At 3.45 p.m. on Monday, I stepped away from my desk to make a call. Error. And because, error. Absolute rookie error. And because Sod's Law governs all things, the email taking me off the wait list for the Edinburgh gig came just as I got on the phone. Just yeah. as I got on it. And then the kicker, I didn't notice for 45 minutes that oh. the email had come. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I've got an interject. This is classic, classic <laughs> you, right? This this goes back to the time that you posted that horrendous picture of Freud on Twitter. And he sent you that message. And about and three hours it. later, you're like, oh, yeah, I got a message. Well, I was uh, trying to write something and I kind of disappeared down a rabbit hole and just like screened everything else and forgot. And it wasn't until someone messaged me on Instagram and said, oh, did you get tickets? I was like, oh shit, I haven't checked my email. Check my email. There was an email there. I was like, oh my God. Quickly clicked through 45 minutes later and there was nothing left except for £661 each VIP tickets. And quite frankly, Empire does not pay me nearly enough to buy those. Absolutely gutted. Didn't know what to do. However, in steps... Harry Ferrin, one of our podcast listeners and one of the heroes of this story, uh, who said that not only did he have a code, but he didn't use the ticket account it was bound to. So I could have the oh, account wow. and the code and just do what I wanted with it. And Pick I was like, up Harry. Right. And I was like, that's amazing. Extremely nice of him. He's a top bloke. I was absolutely over the moon, except... I spent the whole evening trying to make that work. And it turns out there are steps in place to stop you giving, or frankly, more likely to stop you selling, accounts. So you can't do it. Like, it, it couldn't make it work. And I was absolutely crushed. So even though he'd given me this thing, I wasn't able to use this amazing gift to get tickets. So the next morning, I was in the morning meeting, chatting to everyone at Empire. We were all banging on about Oppenheimer. The 11 a.m. <laughs> sale started. I shrugged my shoulders and carried on talking about, you know, the nihilism of the nuclear bomb, as we do in our meetings. You know, banging on about Christopher Nolan. That's what we were doing. And I kind of, kind of shrugged and just, just ignored it. However, I had my lunch later on, and and here's the big twist. Here's the big twist. After lunch, on a whim, on a whim, long after the tickets had all gone, I decided to just go in and take a look and see how the tickets looked, you know, how it worked, you know. So I entered Harry's code, (gasps) and it worked. Shut the front door. Absolutely. So the big twist is, it turns out there are two companies handling the ticket purchases for this gig, and they work very differently. And the one Harry had a code for didn't actually bind the codes to your account. So I could have got tickets all along. So instead of banging on about Oppenheimer's nihilistic bleakness in this fucking meeting, I could have been buying Taylor Swift tickets, and I just let that chance sail away. And I nearly threw up. I was so, like, I genuinely, I was so furious with myself. I can't tell you, I was in an absolute rage on Tuesday. I couldn't deal with it. So, okay, that's the end of an episode. Probably about episode three at this point. Okay, cut to Wednesday. Wednesday morning, I get into work. I get into work. I'm not happy. I failed. I'm miserable. Our hero is at an all-time low. This is the low point of the whole narrative where everything seems lost, right? Boyd, are you listening to this? (laughs) Boyd's taking notes. He's writing it down. He's going to send this (laughs) off to Channel 5 because he's got contacts. Hmm. Now, now, so never underestimate the power of of the Swifties, because so many lovely people messaged me to try and help out. 
Aww. That is until the last minute hero of our story, Simone Crowley, swooped in to save me like some kind of swifty angel. Oh, wow. Because she says she lives in Ireland anyway and she's going to hold out for the Dublin tickets. It's all good. So it gets to 12.30. I'm in the waiting room. Bear in mind, it's press day. And Nick comes over to me, asks me to read a feature for the magazine. I'm like, no, Nick, I'm going for Taylor Swift tickets. Fuck off. And let's uh, just clarify, Nick is the editor of the magazine. <laughs> Nick is the editor of I'm like, yeah. Nick, go away. I'm trying to buy fucking Taylor Swift tickets. He wasn't happy. Anyway, one o'clock ticks <laughs> around. I'm in the queue. Now, it doesn't say what number I am in the queue. So I could be 1,000th or I could be 100,000th. There's no way to know. So you just watch this little bar moving millimeter by painful millimeter as Ben Travis, the traitor Ben Travis, looks on. <laughs> so, so the moment comes, the bar gets to the end. I'm in. I'm in. I put in my code. I click on the ticket. So this is maybe eight minutes after, after the whole thing starts. So this is eight minutes past one. I click for tickets. Nothing. None are available. Mm. I'm like, oh my God. So I try different tickets, like standing at the, at the very back, whatever, none available. I try best available tickets and it puts two worth 660 odd quid each in my basket. Fuck Whoosh. that. Those go straight mm. back. And I try again, nothing. Now this continues for about a full minute. Constant attempts, always nothing until the point where I've basically given up. And Ben's like, I'm so sorry, this is gutting. And then in a last minute twist at the 11th hour, <laughs> I click the button and suddenly two tickets drop into the basket. Like normal tickets, not VIP mega price tickets, just two normal seated tickets. Mad panic. It asks me to log in. I can't find my login details. Fuck, what are they? Find them. It tries to text me a two-factor authentication code. I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. That takes ages. I put that in. Oh, my God. Quickly, payment details. Credit card, credit card. And then I get one of those card security windows. We have detected fraud on your account. I'm like, no! So it texts me to my phone again for that. And that needs to come in. That takes ages. And all through this, at no point have I stopped to even look at what's in my basket. I don't know where these seats are. I don't know what type of seats. I don't even have their seats. I just saw two tickets and that they weren't stupidly expensive. And I was like, I'll take them. I'll take them. I'll take them. They won a million pounds each, and that's really all I was going for. So so after an agonizing wait, the sale goes through, and I'm going to Taylor Swift. Woohoo! So, oh, my gosh. Final James. episode. We cut to a year later. This is 2024. <laughs> it's Wembley Stadium. It's me getting down to Tay-Tay. Fade to black. The end. What a roller coaster. Victory snatched from the jaws of defeat. All thanks to Simone. The only thing I do know about this Channel 5 adaptation is it will definitely star Ross Kemp. Oh, my God. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. I literally was thinking mm. that. I thought, oh, my gosh. Sorry. Ross Kemp has to be cast as James. You think, mm. you think yeah. it's Ross? Yeah. And I he'll mean, be in a leather jacket. Yeah. Even though he's sweltering at Taylor Swift, he's going to be his leather jacket, Grant Mitchell style. The big mystery is going to be, why are you so obsessed with Taylor fucking Swift? Uh, to be fair, mm -hmm. many many of the mentions I got on social media on this have been along the lines of, your passions are confusing. It's so weird. It it's is. so bizarre. Honestly. Bewildering. Like, yeah. I've probably been to, you know, like hundreds of concerts in my time. Of course you have. And, you know, I have many, many favourite recording artists. Yeah. And I've, all of whom I would absolutely, you know, um, completely, you know, go all out of limb to buy tickets for them. But I've never been this obsessed with mm. getting tickets for. All I'm so going to say insane. is, all I'm going to say disturbing. is, if you have watched season two of The Bear, if Richie can be oh. obsessed with Taylor Swift tickets, I can be obsessed with yeah, Taylor Richie, Swift tickets. Richie I mean, is a dude. He is a dude. <laughs> I was going to say that it is weird that they've tapped into that. Yeah. So, so topically, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Richie's bizarre. a Swifty. Like, yeah, he I, is, you know, he's yeah. like, he's, I'm yeah. channeling Richie. That's what it was. I mean, so you and Richie, to be fair, you and Richie do, do genuinely have a lot in common. 
And in fact, I, I just remember that someone, and I can't remember who it was, someone did actually say to me, doesn't Richie remind you of James <laughs> And I was like, wait a minute, Richie with the anger issues? And, the, and they were like, yeah. Wait, I mean, so what? What, what they're saying is someone with no obvious transferable skills or abilities who just yeah. happens to be involved in a project yeah. and no one's sure why he's there, that think kind of, of person. Boy, don't think yeah. of who that person is. I want to shake them by the hand. <laughs> I know. Um, I have, yeah. Yeah. James, question. Now, do you have a Taylor Swift t-shirt? I don't, but I will do when I go to the concert. I'll tell you that. <laughs> when? Oh, that's the other thing. When is the actual concert? It's like next year. That's like next summer. It? Yeah, it's not for yeah. another year. Yeah, 2024. I mean, by then, who knows what, what we will be doing. Who knows? Who knows if the world will even yeah. exist then? But, you know, let's yeah. hope. Well, yeah. listen, do you know what? Jokes aside... I am delighted because I know how much you've been trying to get, how, you know, you've gone to all lengths all to try know. and get these tickets. And I feel like now maybe we can put full stop to this, <laughs> to this story and we can just now wait for the next summer to come. If you were a real, James, if you were a real online like influencer type of person, you would have actually filmed all of this, all of the kind of like, you know, you would have screen recorded yeah. all the things you're going and turned it into a magical narrative we could all follow on TikTok or something like that. Then and I it could have, and it, it yeah. could have turned you into an absolute phenomenon. But I'm afraid it could have done. you haven't. I all you're it, doing you're is regaling, regaling the story <laughs> at some length on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, look, guys, there is a downside to all this. I don't know if you've realised this, I don't know if you've noticed, but I mean, the story, surely. Obviously, mm. the story. But as per our agreement last week, hey, oh. now that I've got oh, tickets, yeah. you do not yes. get to enjoy the special. Episode of pilot that I prepared I... for you, where we review Stargate SG One, Babylon oh. Five, and the first three seasons of Farscape, and I'm just, I'm just so sorry about that. I'm so sorry Listen, that you're going to miss out. I am devastated that we're not doing that. But there was a point, you know, a few days ago, where I knew you hadn't got tickets, and I was thinking, oh my god, please let him have forgotten about this stupid deal we made. But now I don't need to worry about it. We don't, and I think the agreement actually was, if you get tickets, we don't have to do sci-fi for the rest of the year, wasn't it? No, no, I don't believe yes, it was that. I think, I think it was. It was. I, think I think it was. It was. If I don't get tickets, we do three hardcore, impenetrable, hard sci-fi shows. And if we do, then we get to do things that you like. And given that we have a, a two half-hour comedies in this week's show, I think you 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 got what you wanted. Hmm. No, I'm going to claim my I'm going to claim my win later on in the year. Okay, okay. So yeah. you, you're banking this, are you? <laughs> yeah. Someone messaged me on Instagram um, saying, does the fact James ta James got Taylor Swift tickets mean we can now expect some reality show reviews on Pilot <laughs> next week? So <laughs> we'll see. People are ready. Yeah. We will see. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but okay. So, so, so yeah. So Channel 5, if you're listening, you know, obviously, obviously ITV, the Pilot TV TV show is still available for you. That is, that is being reserved mm. for you. Come talk to me. But Channel 5, this is just for you. This is just for you. Stripped across the week, five-part drama. Talk to me. Let's talk. Let's, let's get my people talking to your people. But I should say, I should say, oh. I should say. <laughs> oh, is that, I haven't finished yet. <laughs> all of that, Boyd, see all this, because I'm always on message. All of that was just a prelude to oh, me saying God. that you don't have to go through the nine hells for all ticket events because Pilot's oh. 250th episode oh, tickets are He's far, far easier to get. You simply head over to kingsplace.co.uk slash pilot250 and you just buy the fucking tickets. No muss, no fuss, no lottery, no queuing, no stress, no codes. It's absolutely simple. And we're also, I'm going to say, I'm going to tempt fate. I'm going to tempt fate right here and right now and say we are possibly close to hopefully being able to announce something in the guest situation. Ooh, so no. I'm hoping that you guys think, well, you best snap them up now because, you know, yeah. otherwise it's all going to go full Taylor and there'll be no tickets away. Yes, our guest is Taylor Swift. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, steady on. Now, are you going to give assurances that at the uh, live event you won't be talking about Taylor Swift? Oh, fuck I'm, spe no. <laughs> I'm specifically thinking of the guy who complained about you talking about his uh, about your lunch. 
He I'm might. wondering how he's going to take he's the 10-minute story. Well. I might wear a Taylor Swift T-shirt to the live show, the way this is going. Uh, I will get one for that. I'll yeah. see if Tom Hiddleston will lend me his I Love TS T-shirt. Absolutely not. That's the most, <laughs> that was like a hate crime. That was horrendous. That's the moment that I just stopped taking him seriously. When he came out of the ocean in that crop top, I part TS crop shop. Yeah, Never I'm going to wear an iHeart TS crop top to the live God show no. if you buy Please tickets no. today. Um, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be great. Exciting. So, what have oh. we been watching? Wow. <laughs> absolutely exhausted after all that. <laughs> also, I'll tell you why I'm really, I'm genuinely knackered because I believe it or not, I was up till 3.30 a.m. <gasps> what were you doing? Last night. Three. I was 3.30 a.m. What was I doing, James? I was watching Arsenal versus Major League Soccer All-Stars live on Apple TV, of all places, Apple TV Plus, um, who, sh- who aired it live on, on, uh, last night, beginning 1.30 a.m. Uh, our time. And uh, because it was kind of the first, it was the debut on the pitch of our new £105 million pound signing, Declan Rice. I didn't want to miss that. So, yeah. So then it, and he came on the pitch about three, about three o'clock, three, five past three, maybe our time. And uh, yeah, that's the madness of my, that's my madness. Vaguely <laughs> you, equivalent you know to you your can, madness. You know, like, you know, like stream things later on or record things well, or, you know, there are ways of watching things not at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but it was all about the live experience and, and uh, talking about it with my fellow Arsenal fans on social media. And uh, I mean, there are loads of us. Lots of listeners to this very show, actually. People listen to this podcast and my Austin podcast there's a bit of a crossover oh is there and uh, yeah 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 quite a lot quite a lot of people and and yeah we're all absolutely thrilled so yeah 3 30 a.m uh obviously i'm knackered so that's one thing i watched how long Don't was um, how long was declan on the pitch for oh you got a good 20 25 minutes i would say oh, not too bad yeah enough to he nearly scored he had he, he had uh, of course he did. Some fantastic passes um yeah i love Declan looked, rice we won five nil by the way uh, okay, crime. against against wow. against what? <laughs> major well, this is Major League Soccer All Star. Boydie, I feel that is an entirely made up team, much like Super Nashwan in Speedball <laughs> Two. <laughs> Do you know what? It is a bit made up. To be fair, it's it is so. It's, it's it was a team um, gathered together of the all the different teams in American Major League Soccer, their their um, football league, basically. So and managed by Wayne Rooney. It so it was a bit oh. of a weird one. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, but we triumphed five nil, and it was very entertaining and wonderful to see. Do you know uh, what? Go on. Sorry to interrupt. Do you know what this yeah. feels like? Actually, the um, Christmas episode of Strictly, the the bonus one, yeah, you get, yeah, where it's, it's like, like yeah, it's yeah. just they all come back. There's no real competition. You're just having a bit of a play around. Well, thing. they were quite, they were quite into the tackle. I would say they didn't, they didn't, you know, they, I mean, they weren't very good. We beat them five nil, but it was an interesting. But it is an American sports thing, so they have all baseball all star games. American football, it's a thing they do. Yeah, it is a kind of slightly confected um, thing in sport that w- it hasn't really caught on here. Uh, but yeah, but that was uh, two hours of my life um, last, uh, late last, very late last night. And the other thing I've been watching, apart from The Bear, which anyone oh. who listened to the special, what do you call it, the, that podcast that you've well, done? Our one sponsored, yeah. our one sponsored yeah. by Disney Plus special yeah. on The Bear yeah. season two with me, Kay and Chris, that you weren't invited to. Exactly, that one. That's the very, <laughs> the, the very same. Basically, if you listen to the podcast I'm not invited to section of the of your feet, um, you'd have heard them banging on about it. But uh, uh, if you watched any of The Bear season two, you've probably watched it to the end, I'm saying by now. I'm not going to mm. spoil it. I've had complaints about me spoiling it, I know. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> but... Hopefully everyone's caught up with episode six, which I think is the incredible 
hour long episode. episode six. Hour long episode, extraordinary. All I will say about it, without spoiling, it, is it kind of lays the basis for the hectic whirlwind that that then becomes, you know, kind of the, the default setting, if you like, of the characters of the for the rest of the show and for the rest of that set five years earlier. Um, I thought it was it's a brilliant piece of uh, filmmaking. Go on, Kay. You look like you've got a question to ask. No, I was just going to say that we we obviously did discuss this on the other pod, but I just think the writing of that episode you're talking about was so sensational. It was like on a par with Succession. And I'm really gutted yeah. that it's not in the same category at the Emmys because I kind of feel like it's better than The White Lotus and it should stand shoulder to shoulder with Succession. Hold on. I think Tell it's me. on a par, yeah. <laughs> well, with fight, 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 well, fight. Yeah. I don't know about that, but, but it is Oh, I think it's fantastic. brilliant. I, okay. Mm. It well, is brilliant. Let, it is brilliant. Yeah, I agree. But they're all brilliant, those shows. Let me let me draw your attention to another show. So The Bear is a given. Everyone has to watch it. It is brilliant. My other on, on uh, Disney Plus, Disney Plus is going through a very good, strong period at the moment. We've got The Murder at the End of the World coming soon, which I keep, I'll mention every week until we fucking get it, which is the, uh, the new <laughs> thing from the, the OA, makers of the OA. Screeners, please. Disney Plus. The other thing that arrived on Disney Plus last week, I think, or maybe the week before, and I mentioned that it was on, was the new series of Dave, which is the um, almost brilliant, almost but not quite brilliant, but really fucking excellent uh, comedy series about Lil Dicky, um, the the kind of Jewish, white Jewish rapper who is um, a hilarious, like a kind of twisted version of the real life person played by Dave Bird. And Dave Bird created that, character who does really exist and does put out records does put out albums and this kind of fictionalized version of that character in dave the tv series not to be confused with dave the tv channel the uk tv channel anyway it is fucking hilarious and again i'm powering through the third season it's very addictive there's an episode uh later on, i think it's seven or eight which is set at the met ball uh, the Met Gala, the Met Ball, is that what it's called? Met Gala, I think. Met yeah. Gala, thank you. <laughs> even you know. Even I times. <laughs> yeah. And um, he's given, so like he's given a um, outfit to wear by this, you know, like super special stylist. And the outfit is, um, if you pull, there's like, it's a ridiculous outfit. It's like a super with like a puffy bit at the top and the sides on his sleeves around the collar, right? But then he's got a special secret thing that if he pulls this lever around the back of his jacket, <laughs> it, explan- it expands oh, amazing. like a giant, um, like a giant ball of representing planet Earth as a comment on environmental um, activism. <laughs> We're laughing about it, but that's the kind of thing you would see oh, at the Met Gala. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, so that gives the whole episode a certain tension because you're all the way through like, when is he going to pull the button, you know, pull the cord <laughs> on his jacket for this? Because it's going to like, it's so, it's going to be, it's designed to be so massive, it's going to literally like knock people out of, the, out of his way. <laughs> um, there are brilliant guest appearances as well, cameos that I won't spoil because I'm excused to spoil them for uh, the bear. It, tonally, it's not a million, it's, 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 it's another one of these, like Atlanta, I would put Atlanta in the same place as this, kind of the bear, half hour. I mean, the bear, we've discussed whether it's comedy or not many times. This Although I will ahead. say, I will say, like now having watched more of season two, I still don't think it's a comedy, but it's much closer to a comedy this yeah, season. I but agree, I yeah. still I still refuse to accept it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I don't so think it is. So Dave is funnier. Dave is more out and out funny. It is out and out funny. But it's a bit, but it's the basis of it, the kind of tone of it is is realism. It is, you know. And what I what I thought I've watched the first episode, which begins with this absolutely outrageous, hilarious 
kind of spoof music video of him doing a song about sex, having sex with women. And to and the and the scene is him having sex with this woman. And it's like it's like the um counterpoint to the idol. You know how the <laughs> idol is this really like slick very subconsciously stylized thing with all these cool people, you know, doing dangerous, sexy things and like, you, you know, grabbing each other by the throat, throttling each other, you know, all that, all that stuff. He deals with all those similar ideas, but in a really funny, self-aware, undermining of male masculinity and toxic and all of that in a hilarious way. And it's it's a brilliant counterpoint, as I say, to to uh, to certain elements of the idol, I think. So I think Dave is fantastic. Um, and I warmly recommend it to everyone. It's on Disney Plus season three, and not on Dave, not on Dave yet. You know what is on Dave though? Funnily enough, now you mentioned it, which I I, I didn't realise because I don't believe they'd told me. Maybe they have, but I don't remember. Is Shit's Creek? They're running Shit's <gasps> Creek. So what? Yeah, yeah. So it's still on Netflix. But if you haven't, if you haven't gone Netflix, if you're a Netflix, you know, holder outer, I can't believe there are that many listeners to the show um, who don't have Netflix, but. Um, yeah, it's on. It's on for free on Dave. Yeah, which is a free to air UK TV channel, I believe. Oh, so do that, you know what? Yeah. I was I was thinking about doing a third watch. Maybe I'm going to do it on Dave. Yeah, I think oh, it runs every. Surely week, your right? third watch should be third watch. Oh, very good. Yeah, um, <laughs> or not. Uh, third watch um, was a procedural from the early yeah. noughties, which involved <laughs> the firefighters, the ambulance service, and the police. I just yeah. looked completely blank. I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, it was great, um, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually caught by accident. I did catch some episodes of Shit's Creek. So they're on the first season at the moment. And a reminder, you know, it is fucking hilarious. James, have you ever watched Shit's Creek? Uh, yes, I watched the first episode, possibly the second one, decided it was not for me and turned it off. And then I was told later on that, no, 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 you've got to get through the first season because it gets good in the second season, to which I responded, life's too short Yeah, for I know, that. And, and I completely <laughs> agree with what you're saying. And usually I'd be, like, completely on your side. But it is true, and it's frustrating because I think so many people did turn off within those first few episodes but i think you need to you need to get at least five six eps deep and then mm. and then you'll become obsessed with it well and and some people said just skip straight to season two and while i approve of that in principle i can never <laughs> ever ever do it yeah, yeah, like, yeah i like the idea of it you know like they were saying oh you know yeah we could uh yeah you should skip i was like i see what you're saying i understand the logic of it but i can't i cannot i cannot condone that behavior sorry maybe this will be one of the things that um as part of the win i might get you to start well, okay, here's the thing, here's the thing. Pilot Plus, Pilot Plus, cultural mm-hmm. exchange. Like, I'm sure we could set up some kind of deal, okay, some kind of trade yeah, whereby right. I I'm watch Shit's Creek and make yeah. you watch something else. So, I'll watch Game of Thrones. I mean, that's doable, and we'll get on to that a little bit later on because that, that relates to this week's listener question. But, uh, yes, I'm, I'm the, the, the Game of Thrones <laughs> could genuinely be the thing that pushes everyone to subscribe to Pilot Plus, just a well, real-time you watching Game of Thrones, <laughs> all 70-odd sure hours of it. <laughs> I'm not sure about that because actually I think it might be intensely annoying to have someone wang on about something that was on, you know, 100 years ago. Well, speaking of someone who did, I think, what was it, a 17-minute monologue about Game of Thrones when I finished my rewatch, <laughs> I'm in no position to judge you. Okay, fair. Oh, my God. Was that on this podcast? Yeah, Boyd just turned off. Oh. He just went to sleep. He's like, I can't do this. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. At the end of my rewatch, yeah. I just went through this entire thing and people were just like, what are you like? Oh, yeah, I remember now, yeah. PTSD. Yeah. yeah, I can yeah. just. I can. All I can do is apologize. <laughs> I've tried to blank it from my memory. Seems fair. Seems fair. Uh, okay. What have you been watching? Well, I watched um, the whole of the bear, and was obsessed. But obviously, we don't need to go into that anymore. Better than season one. Yes. yes. Definitely. 
definitely. It is just, oh my God. It was, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I just wanted to watch more and more and more, like, of all of them. Mm. Um, and particularly that episode that Boyd was referring to. It's fantastic. But actually, the episode after, I would say, is my favorite. Mm. And it's solely focused on Richie, who I think is the MVP. Richie and Taylor Swift, let's be honest. Yeah, maybe not. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the bear. And also something else we were reviewed um, last week, which I couldn't stop watching, which was 15 Love. So that was the drama with Aidan Turner and Ooh. Ella Lily Highland. And I just wanted, I just needed to know who was telling the truth. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stop until I, I got to the crux of it. And was and it worth it? It was. It really was. I really enjoyed it and I thought it was really well done. So I'd recommend if you haven't started it, Get on it. Um, 15 Love. I think, what channel is it, Boyd? Is it Prime? Yes, Prime Video. Mm. Did you love 15 Love? That would have been a terrible intro. I think I had a much better one than that. No, absolutely. Nil par for that. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) That on top of the the one just now, which what was that? The joke made just now. Yeah. It's, it's hard you know. to say. Third watch. Third watch. That was a solid. Yeah. That was a solid reference. I mean, to third watch. Yeah. What are you talking about? I mean, on the back of the ten-minute Taylor monologue. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. I, I think I used up You're all my goodwill car. with You're that. Quite card, frankly, yeah. yeah. I was on a yellow card before we even really started. So. <laughs> uh, okay. Good times. So I also watched the bear. It will be said. I. It's been. Someone jumped into my. Having listened to last week's pilot plus, someone jumped into my my Twitter mentions to say that they don't understand that. Like I've watched. I watched season two of the bear and suddenly turned into Kami in that I was handing out recipes for hummus and, and smoothies and stuff on Pilot Plus. This is absolutely true. I was giving culinary tips on the most recent Pilot Plus. Uh, that is a special service I now do for Pilot Plus subscribers. If you would like to know my special secret hummus recipe and you are a subscriber to Pilot Plus, let me know and I will give it to you. Oh, wait a minute, uh, so is the, re- is the re- revelation that you make your own hummus, is that confined to Pilot Plus? So listen yes. to this. Oh, yeah. well. Yeah, it's yeah, only for Pilot Plus subscribers. You have to, proof of subscription is required I mean, for the hummus recipe. Spoiler alert. Uh, James makes his own fucking hummus. How about it's that? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Maybe the most middle class thing, but I make my because, own artisanal hummus. And it's, and it's because of the other, the shop ones, the normal ones in the shop, are oh, too yeah. smooth or the, something. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. delicious ones, like the um, the yeah, the one with the roasted um, caramelized onion, is just not to his taste. It's too smooth, guys. So That's yeah. Right. That's right. It's just, it's just not for me. Uh, so, yeah, I've been watching The Bear, Hummus and all. Uh, and uh, the other thing I've been watching this week is the penultimate episode of Marvel's Secret Invasion. Uh, Boydie, have you been keeping up to date with Secret Invasion? I have to be honest, no. Um, not through any great objection to it. I just stopped watching episode three and I haven't caught up yet. I mean, don't feel that you need to. Would be oh, only statement here. No. no, it's 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 not good. Is is oh, what I'm going to say. It's not good. The Empire spoiler specials. Let's just say they've been quite salty. Uh, and the most recent one, more than any of the others, uh, we have very much turned on this show, which Empire gave four stars to. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a little incoherent, shall we say? I'm not going to give any spoilers away. I'm just going to say, if you are watching the MCU uh, streaming shows, this maybe isn't the high point. It may, in fact, be the low point. Wow. Um, but yeah. So that 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 made for an interesting Empire Spoiler special. If you do subscribe to the Empire Spoiler specials, do uh, maybe listen to that. There's a, a lot of... Uh, actually, the, the talk is just as salty as the tone, if I'm honest with you. Um, but anyway, so that's pretty much all I've been doing this week because most of the rest of the time, I've just been in a queue for fucking Taylor mm-hmm. Swift tickets. So. Yeah. <laughs> You've been watching your screen for, for yeah on your. Computer. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to miss any more emails, so I have actually not watched an awful lot of TV this week. But uh, but I shall attempt to address that 
for the next podcast I'm on. I say the next podcast I'm on because I'm not on next week's podcast. Guys, oh, guys, God. you're free. Oh, dad's going away. I'm going away. I'm not going to be here. So you guys can go nuts. So you're going to be reviewing Breeders. <laughs> you're going to be doing Shit's Creek, the great pottery throwdown. Boys going to be doing this, you know, was it fantastic soccer Mario All-Stars football team versus <laughs> Arsenal thing? Like all of that stuff, you know. So tune in next week. I will say as a special spoiler for people, if you or your loved ones were basic bingers fans let's just say you might enjoy next week's show and we'll leave it there (laughs) so that's two people getting excited so the two people who are fans of basic bingers are going to have a brilliant time next week and the rest of you will just be happy that i'm not here okay right now let's move on to the listener question and this week's listener question comes from susan o'keefe and susan says postbag question hi k boyd and james i've only recently started watching the u.s version of shameless six weeks ago and it's 11 seasons long i'm absolutely loving it i'm up to season seven is there a show with a long season run that you've been meaning to watch or who watched after the run that you've absolutely enjoyed k i am looking to you for Game of Thrones banter. Okay, so yeah, that is the obvious one that I still need to do. I'm in discussions and negotiations with James about whether that's going to happen, depending on um, how he behaves and what he's going to watch. Um, but for me, I think the one that, I was going to say famously, um, famously, <laughs> famously, <laughs> <laughs> the look on Boyd's face here. I know. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah I'm glad you're off next week. Um, yeah, no, I say famously because famously to Boyd, because he ribbed me about it for like, well, years, is that I came very, very late to the West Wing. And I subsequently became really obsessed with it, with all the characters, storylines, everything, the brilliance of West Wing. And then I would talk to Boyd incessantly about it as if I discovered it um, <laughs> and everything that was going on. And he was just like, oh, my God, like literally he'd have his head in his hands just being, like, oh, my God, make it stop. So, yeah, I think that's the that's the prime example. Uh, then the more recent example and i say recent in inverted commas would be game of thrones but i've yet to watch it so who knows but that's the one in this but you know you see what you've done Kay. here you've Mm. betrayed the fan of yours who who respected you only giving one answer to every question and technically that was two answers no actually no no no. it was one answer which is the west wing and i was and i was replying to um our reading our reader talking about game of thrones i was referring to i'll let you off on a technicality no, don't try and become, come between me and Bushy. I, I, I uphold his compliment that I only give one answer. And yeah, I stand by it. Voidy, do you have one answer? This is assuming that there's ever been a TV show that you've missed, but carry on. <laughs> I'm going to give one answer, yeah. I haven't, I haven't missed it entirely, but I definitely need to wa- go back. I've said this recently, so it's not going to be a huge surprise. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel mm-hmm. is the show, yeah, yeah. above all others, that I need to go back. Right all the way back to like series. I mean, I think I watched quite a lot of series two, but I don't remember it particularly well. But there are there are um, 43 episodes, five seasons, and I really want to get into that and finish it properly because the the people I, ha- I, I respect and like and admire have said it's one of the best shows out there. I think that's the show for me that, you know, in the kind of pantheon of the great shows of recent years, that's the one I haven't really fully engaged with as I should. And mm. it's mad that I haven't because it's got all the things I love. It's like a heavily New York Jewish stand-up. Mm. Lenny Bruce is in it. And the whole thing is like completely up my alley. So it's ridiculous that I haven't 
closely followed it obsessively since it started. I ju- it just fell by the wayside. So it's so wait, definitely. Did you stop after season two? Did you say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think I probably you know it. it I, I, go, I go against. I probably did watch episode one of season three. I might have even gone. I watched episode, a couple of episodes at the beginning of season four. I do go. I do you know? Unlike James, I don't have to watch every single episode of the show, <laughs> and I go against that rule, which is a fair enough rule, by the way, especially in a show like this. Um, which is an ongoing story. Um, but so I've watched like a few episodes probably of most series, but I need to properly f- do the whole thing. Yeah. Boy, I might do a rewatch because I stopped, I think I've talked about this before, but the penultimate season, I stopped just um, before that started because there was a long gap because of COVID and I'd forgotten what had happened in the season before. So I thought oh, I'll rewatch it and then I'll catch up. And I never did. So I haven't seen the last two seasons. So I'm suggesting a little watch along together. What about that? Wow. Well, yeah, maybe, yeah. Mine doesn't sound. Okay. <laughs> welcome wow. to my listeners. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Listen, welcome to my life with Boyd. Right? This is a constant thing. This, what you heard just there is our relationship in a nutshell. No, no, no. Not that. No. What I mean is, it's hard enough to schedule. It's Rejected. Hard enough to, oh, God. It's hard enough to schedule a rewatch of that many episodes of a thing. For, for yourself, let alone to do it in a similar time frame as someone else. So it's just it's the ambition of it. I was commenting on. Rather I'm, than, just, I'm just going to say, you saw what happened there, Boydie. You went full calmy there. That was totally giving a fake number to someone, is what that was. Yeah. Oh, my God. He totally, <laughs> he totally gave me the wrong digits. He gave you the wrong digits Forgetting. right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's to- yeah, yeah, totally yeah. do that. Yeah. What was, his answer? For- what was his answer when she confronted him about that? In the, in, uh, what did she Well, that would be a spoiler, say? Boyd, so we couldn't possibly say. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Boyd forgot I know where he sits. But That's yeah. true. You do know where he sits. Um, mm. Okay, I, I'm I'm limiting myself to three answers to this question. <laughs> oh God! So the first isn't really an answer to this question. It's that I know that I I my the clock is ticking down for me to get up to date with for all mankind, which I stalled in my watch of. I stalled I think halfway through season two, and bearing in mind that season four is not very far away, I really 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 need to pick up the pace there before we end up covering it on this podcast. So that's one. The ones that are too long that I don't think I'm going to get to is first of all Yellowstone. So, because it's just getting out of control, like there's too many of them, and I just feel like it's just it's getting away from me. It's like it's like you're running after like it's you're running after a horse or something, and it's bolting and turning into multiple other horses, and now there's 15 horses, and they're all going in different directions. I can't possibly do it. Terrible analogy, but you know what I'm saying. The other one's billions, like billions. I'd always wanted to watch, but it's again, there's like at least 157 seasons of billions, and I can't possibly. I can't possibly climb that particular hill now. It's too much. In this, weirdly, Billions goes in the same bucket as Boardwalk Empire. Do you remember when like the peak TV sort of like train left the station and everyone was talking <laughs> about certain shows? And mm. Boardwalk Empire was one of the ones that people were talking about, but isn't really now, is it? Like everyone's kind of like mm. Mm, a bit like cool on Boardwalk Empire. But at the time, it was the shit. It was one of the best shows ever made. Everyone was talking about like Steve Buscemi's role. Um, and, and, and I never watched it at the time. And it was 100% on my to watch list. But now that no one talks about it, it anymore and no one really bigs it up anymore part of me is just like is it essential i don't know but i've literally never even watched the first episode not one single episode oh, wow. oh, of I Ball Ball I that. yeah yeah, yeah. It was, i did it was never good. Seen an episode mm. what's the guy's name was it michael pitt who was in dawson's creek who was in it yeah was someone pitt yeah yeah he was, yeah, yeah he was great pitt, in it. Yeah. Mm. 
I'll take your word for it. So yeah, so that's it. That is my Boardwalk Empire. So yeah, we all have long things to watch, but unfortunately, because the networks continue to drop <laughs> multiple new shows every week, which we have to review, it makes it very, very difficult to uh, to wade into these things. Uh, however, given that the ongoing strike shows no sign of abating, because, I mean, this is cheating on the news section a little bit, but by all accounts, negotiations aren't even happening. It's just a standoff at this point. I don't even know that they're actually negotiating. So it does feel like this strike might be something that's in there for the long haul and I guess TV was slightly less affected than film because they have so much of this stuff banked, right? Like, they've got lots of shows which are in in the can ready to go. But there will come a point, presumably next year, where things just stop because... There's nothing, right? Yeah, I mean, you are you are stepping into news because I was going to mention this in news, but um, what the hell? Uh, yeah, the, the 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 big networks have already met. Like CBS is going to show Third Watch. Is it going to be Third Watch? No, Yellowstone. 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 <laughs> I always forget the name of Yellowstone. Right? I have a, big, I have a mental barrier with Yellowstone. I always forget the name because it's quite a boring name, isn't it? Yellowstone. It's not a great name. Yeah. So yeah, Yellowstone. They're just going to play that all year. Yeah, CBS have announced because obviously in America it airs on whatever it is, Paramount, Paramount yeah. streaming service, basically. It has never been shown on free-to-air network TV. So they're going to fill up their schedule with, with Yellowstone, literally. I mean, there's enough autumn. of it. Yeah, yeah, from this autumn. So, And they're all doing that. All, the, all of the networks uh, are, because they all have their own streaming service, or they've all got part yeah. of the streaming service. They're all going to start playing stuff that's already been aired elsewhere on other streamers. So that is already... And do you know what? It's, it's actually going to affect American shows much faster than you think because a lot of American shows in particular, particularly the uh, the big networky type shows, but also, you know, shows with runs of 10 episodes or whatever, they often are still filming and still editing right up until when they air. They, mm. You know, they have a really tight, um, tight kind of, almost like kind of factory farmed way of churning out these things. And I think they're going to run out quite soon. So I feel like my guess is they're going to step up those negotiations or start those negotiations quite well, soon. You, I mean, you best have, I mean, Silo season two was shooting here in the UK uh, up until very recently. That's now stopped. Obviously, that's the big loss here that we're not getting Silo season two anytime soon. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's concerning. <laughs> yeah. Um, you would hope that they would have a, you know, a conversation about it and that the studios would stop being insane. But I mean, who knows? Who knows? This, yeah. this is the time to crack out your DVDs, guys. Did you, have you ever watched the film Simone with Robin Wright? Um, was that like a kind of art- artificial intelligence thing? Yeah, well, so basically it was what is happening now. That Her image yeah. is scanned right. and bought by a studio to be used in perpetuity and she is then never allowed to act again. She's given a huge sack of cash and then that's the end of her profession. They just then do what they want with her likeness. And it's like, it's a, it's a dystopian kind of science fiction story, but that's basically what this whole strike is about. It's like, no one wants that to happen. Even if it's on an extra level, if you're not talking primary performers, like that's a terrible precedent. It's like, no, we want the rights over our images you know keep your ai away from us so mm. and well, obviously about, the residual thing as well yeah yes. yeah it's about a lot of things isn't it but yeah yeah sure but i just thought that was quite an interesting point that this mm. this film exists and you know that's what we're talking about yeah 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 but they're cancelling loads of things so i think like almost like that's edgar wright's cancelled us the anniversary screening of the world's end and the q and a even though like really he, didn't, he wouldn't have, doesn't have to he's not i'm sure yeah. you know they're well, in not, solidarity that's a i think film. a lot of people are yeah, yeah. It's in solidarity that's a british film with british cast you know and but they're yeah, it's going to affect. It's, it's going to affect lots of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we do have Zoe Saldana on this week's podcast. Uh, however, however, I will say that that was recorded before 
the SAG after strike happened. In fact, it was, funnily enough, I spoke to Zoe Saldana the morning of the meeting. So I think we had the interview, and about four hours later, they voted for the strike, and then the strike went into effect the next day. So it's like it's like one of the last interviews before the strike. That's very exciting. In fact, we're going to get onto that in a second. I think the listener question is over, and half of news is done as well. But anyway, if you would like your question read out on the podcast, then please do send them to us at Pilot TV Pod on Instagram or Twitter via DM, or to me directly at James C. Dyer on Instagram, where you can also find the saga of my Taylor Swift ticket search in my stories um let's have that interview now i think let's have zoe saldana now her new show uh special ops lioness lands on paramount plus and this sees the avatar star as a kind of cia operative who recruits exceptional women to undertake daring infiltration missions to hunt down high value terror targets uh i spoke to zoe as we said last week just before the sag strike kicked in she is not a scab it's all good and we talked all about that and her process and why she assigns animals to her films and all kinds of crazy stuff like that so do enjoy this conversation between me and zoe saldana well, Zoe, welcome to the show. Uh, Lioness, I will say, is a show that does not mess about. So we begin mm. with an all-out assault on a compound in Syria where your character, Joe, is kind of cool as you like, under fire, takes a phone call, calmly calls in an airstrike. So I kind of wanted, like, did that tell you everything you kind of almost needed to know about her in that first scene? And, like, what did you feel when you read that on the screenplay? I mean, that... Uh just that one pilot, that episode, was the hook that brought this all together. Yeah. I know that there's there's an actress who plays Bobby. Her name is Jill Wagner. Her and her husband, um, her husband, you know, is in the military, and um, he works at the White House. And she comes from a family of people that have served as well, father, grandfather, cousins. Mm-hmm. And um, she, she felt really inspired to tell a story about, you know, women that serve, especially in departments of espionage. And she, you know, she's friends with Taylor, brought up to Taylor, and Taylor just ran with it and wrote this pilot. And they were kind of like aghast, like, what is this and I don't know when uh, in the process was when he decided to contact me but I do know that it was like in the middle of 2020 we're all worried about whether or not the world is going to end and you receive a phone call by Taylor Sheridan who basically says I'm writing this I think it's pretty cool it'll be my next big show and I'm if you say yes I'll write it with you in mind like I yeah I want you to play Joe uh you know you sort of take yourself back and and uh, you read, I read it, I read the pilot and it was, I couldn't put it down. It was insane. I gave it to my sisters who are my producing partners. I gave it to my husband, my mother. And they were just like, what is this? Yeah. And I had a, an extensive conversation with him. What I loved about it is that even in the first episode, there was never a moment where a woman has to justify why she has a seat at the table. She's never questioned by any of her colleagues that are males. And 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 there were no tropes of 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 these stereotypes, right? And and the same, you know, it took me a year to sort of gather the strength to believe that I had what it took to to be a part of something like this. Uh, but finally when I did, and he just kept like whipping out episode after episode, uh, I would I would meet Nicole, I would talk to Jill, I would talk to John Hillcote, who was one of our directors, and Paul Cameron and Anthony Burns and and uh, Lysla, and we just couldn't believe it. The mark of a good show, I think, with regard to feminism or even you know diversity, is that they don't draw attention to it. It's just an accepted thing. No one makes a big meal out of it. It's just like these people are here. This is exactly how it is. Yeah, Do you know what well, I mean? It's, it's just it's organic. <laughs> Well, it's an imitation of life. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that right now and today in 2023, you can go into a, a medical office, a science a department or any kind of field, and you will find that 
diversity mm-hmm. and not sometimes not enough of it but more than it ever was in the 20 years ago, 30, and so on and so forth. So it's only fair that art starts imitating what life is today. I feel like when we when we get into trouble is when we refuse to accurately portray what truly exists. I mean, if you look into our, you know, our U.S. government, you're, you have women sitting at all kinds of tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a female vice president of color who's of also Afro-Caribbean be in descent. So like you, you, you know, we are we are where we are and I think that I really commend powerful people like Taylor especially because he's a man and and he's kind of like, well, I I have room. I must make space for this and I'm going to do it well. He's kind of devoured TV at the moment, right? He's become a one-man institution. Why do you think that is? Um, he's a great storyteller. He, I think he's an honest person. He's very crass. You know, I, I don't think he's for the faint of heart. And sometimes <laughs> I am a little faint of heart. So I'm not ready to take the Taylor pill, you know, all, every time I interact with him. But um, I trust him. I believe in his in his in his uh, stories. Mm. I believe in his voice. I believe in the team that he surrounds himself with. You know, you want people that surround themselves with people that are better than they are. And I think that Taylor may not admit it, but you see it when you're around him. And, um, And I think that he's a person that is very much in tune with his own struggles. Therefore, he has no other choice but to be honest about his traumas and his past and his history and where he comes from and what he's viewed the world to be and his country to be. And and I feel like that's what he's whipping out, mm. you know, and, and I and I hope he stays that way. He said an interesting thing, actually, that kind of stuck with me. He said he likes to keep his plots really, really simple <laughs> so that he can focus entirely on character. Yeah. Like, do you think that? comes across in the stuff he does and specifically here? I hope so. I, I've seen it in, uh, uh, you know, in his work and I see it in all the actors around me when I was doing Lioness. I have a different view of my work, but I feel like we, t- we, t- we tend to be really self-critical. Uh, you know, he's, he was an actor first. He was, yeah. I remember from Sons of Anarchy. It's weird. It's Deputy Hale and now he owns television. Exactly. So uh, the level of respect that he has for actors uh, has, is, is incredible. Uh, you know, and and like I said, you cannot be faint of heart because he won't say it like I have so much respect for you. <laughs> It'll be more like if you call him and, and kind of go, thanks for calling me back. So I was thinking about her backstory and he's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> that is on you. That stays with you. And that has I have nothing to do with that. And and to you know, any anybody that's precious will be like, pardon me. But if anything, he's telling you. I, I, my job is to create the park. Your job is to play, you know, and, and to get there from point A to point B and point C, because that to me is necessary. And that an actor's actor can do that. A director's actor, a writer's actor can do that. And that's what Taylor does. That's really interesting. Like, How much do you get into the head of characters like that? Like, do you really like to go deep, deep, deep into the kind of research, the backstory, all yes. the stuff that isn't on the screen? It's the best. I even assign an animal. Really? Like, oh, she's, this is her spirit animal and she'll move this way. And, and obviously none of these things ever transpire, but they're real to me. And, um, and that's the process that I enjoy about uh, my art, about yeah. doing what I do and being in this industry. Uh, I, after that, anything post, anything with the word post in it is, is 
the beginnings of my anxiety and my panic yeah. and my mental health <laughs> decaying, you know, because it's not, it's not something that's easy for me to take. You, I, I, the only thing I control is how I build Joe. And what I do the day of and how I, I understand what my director wants me to do and what this actor is doing and that I need to interact with at that moment. Whatever they do in the editing room, whatever they do, Paramount Plus does with marketing, that is beyond my control. I, all I can do is have faith, which is why once you become, once you get to positions where I I'm finally owning the position that I'm in after 20 years of, of being in this industry is becoming a producer. It's only for the sole fact that I get to I get to have some input and they have to legally listen to it. <laughs> uh, because I, I do I do believe that I care a great deal. Yeah. And I'm not just giving you a, a one-dimensional point of view based on what I want my character to do and be. It's more about the whole project i care and and i do have a big passion as a producer to you know to to grow more in this field as a producer so that's what i did and they were they were wonderful taylor his camp david glasser the whole paramount uh, team from chris mccarthy to keith to everybody there they were just wonderful crucially though huh? what was joe's animal <laughs> She was the eagle. She was an eagle. I kept, I kept arguing with my, with my coach because she was like, "Well, she's a falcon." I'm like, "Well, she's the eagle." She's like, of course, everybody wants to peg the eagle. <laughs> she's like, "Do your research." But she's, she's of that. She's, she's a prey. She's a bird of prey. Yeah, I, 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 I get that. Yeah. I get that. Like what? So, to getting under the skin of Joe, like, what was your take on the character? Because it's interesting because she's, she's clearly very personally connected to her operatives, but also she has that ability to compartmentalize, which we see at the very beginning, that if there's a hard decision to make, she makes it without flinching. You find her in this place where she's smack in the middle of making incredible and dangerous decisions that will cost lives or cost one life or cost many lives. But she also has to answer to people. So she's constantly in this chess game where she can't give herself away because if she shows any sign of weakness, then they know that she's expendable. They have to get rid of her. She cannot take on all these responsibilities. And Joe has to do all of that. And she has nobody that she can talk to about it. Besides, maybe Neil, but not really, which is her husband, but not really disclose to Neil everything. Maybe Kyle, who you you learn to understand that this character of Kyle, she, she can't trust anybody. But, but she has to give you the impression that you can trust her and and she's human and her kid is in trouble and her husband wants to leave and, <laughs> and this lioness is questioning her and um, and Caitlin, you know, her boss, her mentor is always studying her. She's in a really tough place. Um, but the one thing that nobody knows is that she's resilient, is that she cares a great deal and she's not going to let the mission fail. The same way she's not going to let her family fall apart. And um, and that felt to me incredibly female. You know, I've, I've been raised by just women like that. I only seek women like that in my life. So it just felt to me that it was an accurate portrayal. The part that was new for me is that I wanted to encounter and feel the skin of a woman that carries a greater deal of responsibility and still gets shit done. That scene where she goes back to her husband, I thought that was a really interesting one because you see that thing. She's just come from a war zone. She's lost someone close to her and then she's 
expected to kind of just walk into civilian life as if nothing's happened. Yeah. And that disconnect between that kind of war mentality and just being a normal person must just blow your mind. Yeah. But it's no different than doctors having to give, you know, a terminal diagnosis mm. to parents of a four-year-old. You know, they, they still have to drive home to their four-year-old. Do you ever get that with characters that you play, where you come home in the evening and it's kind of hard to shake off? Yes. And and um, and not, not because I consciously know this. It was just brought brought to my attention by my loved ones that that sometimes I can be batshit crazy and, <laughs> and very inconsistent yeah. and very mercurial and impulsive. And, and um, so I've learned, th you know, that I, I, I do need time for myself to shed and assimilate, you know, because you're, you're constantly leaving an environment and going into another. So after 14 hours of screaming at a female and torturing her, you know, I, I, yeah, I know that this is not real and it's all fictional, but, but part of it, you're, you're, I'm an empath, like part of it does, you know, seep in. And then I come home and I have to kind of like, show me your drawing. No. <laughs> oh my God. You, you know, like it's, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> it's mental gymnastics. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. And sometimes I'm not perfect. And, and it's not just, you know, the old, the adults that tell me, it's also the little ones that they kind of go, I need my space from you. You're like a little icky. <laughs> TV has obviously changed a lot since you did Law and Order. It's come along quite a long way. Oh my but, God, I forgot. Right? But, but <laughs> I mean, why did you choose now to come back to TV in particular? Because that's where good material is right now as well. You know, and also like I have to grow. I have to grow up. I, this this whole antiquated mentality that only good material and only cool people live in cinema is Shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, bullshit. It is. Like mm. I, I I I you have to follow good material, whether it's on stage, in the theaters, or in your TV. Mm. You have to do it and you have to work with your giants. And they're now they're also thinking outside the box. There is no box. Maybe right, it's like right. the Matrix. There is no box. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're hundred percent true. And you get to I think you really get to dig into roles because you're with them for a longer period of time. Although that said, even in your film career, you've done a lot of long form storytelling. Because yeah. like Natiri. Gamora, who are characters that you've spent five a lot months, of time five with. Five six months in a row, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Natiri, we were talking about 2007, mm -hmm. and then the Avatar 5 is looking now, what's it, 2031? When uh, I'm 53, by Right, the way. that's a long time. That's insane. To be connected I to a character. I was 28, <laughs> I was 27 when I was cast in the first movie. Yeah. So it is, it will be, it will be my life, like my, my the whole first half of my life, you yeah. know? Um, I am used to spending a great deal of time with characters, and I like that. I'm a creature of habit. You know, I'm not the kind that goes out and gets the first, you know, model of the iPhone or whatever. Like, I just learned to use this old model. I'm going to stick to this one until it breaks down on me. <laughs> so I, I do like to stick to things for a longer period of time. Amazing. Well, Zoe, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> that was Zoe Saldana. And now it's time for, I would say, news, but the rest of news, the non-strike news. If you skip to this point, just to hear us talk about the strike. We already did that about half an hour ago. Um, what news have we got, guys? What have you brought me? I've got news which will probably excite Boyd because um, I've yet to get into it, which is that filming on Series 8 of Elite has started. So that's the Spanish drama. Boyd, you like that, right? Yes. Yes, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually, it hasn't started yet. They're going to start filming in August. So that's exciting and gives me enough time to catch up on it. Um, also, and this is really news for James, um, Netflix news again, At Home with the Furies is going to begin on the 16th of <laughs> August, James. Now, and, and, and what is that? 
So this is all about Tyson Fury, who is the heavyweight champion of the world. And it's about his, basically, his exit from the ring as he tries to embrace um, retirement. And it's also about his family. So his wife, Paris, his father, John, his six children. Yes, six children. And also his brother, Tommy Fury, um, along with his girlfriend, Molly May Haig. So it's a reality show, James. I was being sarcastic when I said you would be excited for that news. But I see what you did there. For anyone else um, who is interested, that is going to launch on Netflix on the 16th of August. I've got some Netflix news for you to go with that. Tell me. And that's aren't they saying that they've had an increase of about 1.7 million new subscribers since they did their password crackdown? So oh, I thought rather, it was, yeah, they have. Yeah, I thought it's more yeah. than that actually, but okay, yeah. Well, apparently that's just in Q2. So actually, it says, says, furthermore in the story, the company reported a whopping 5.89 million new subscribers had joined the service. So I don't know which one of those numbers is accurate, quite frankly. So I'd say a lot of people did cancel their subscriptions, but a lot more have signed up for Netflix. So that's, uh, I guess, their their whole draconian password sharing thing paid off. Mm. Woo! Good for them. <laughs> is that a woo? I don't know yeah. if it's a woo. Well, <laughs> that, was also, that was a very lackluster woo from it was a, I think a lackluster woo is right. I think mm. a, a lackluster woo is fine. Mm. Uh, I think we can go with that. Yeah. Oh, here's, I've got another bit of Netflix news. Oh. Ready for this? You know their, their basic plan, the, the basic yes. Netflix subscription, has evaporated into yes. thin air. They've removed it in the US and the UK. So now you've basically got the more expensive one or the ad-supported one. Yeah, I never really got why anyone would have the basic one because, like, not in HD even was it even <laughs> like? Uh, well, boy, when you have a TV the size of you, do, yeah, obviously you would not. But you no, know, exactly, not everyone exactly. does. So. Imagine not watching something on, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> on a, on a seventy inch TV, it'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I fear, I, you know, I feel for them, Boydy. I really do. Yeah. How, he, yeah. how he fits that screen up in his ivory tower and his it's, it's, it's difficult, oh. isn't it? Well, he Very sits good. up there watching Elite. On his giant television, <laughs> yeah. trying to trying to watch irony them, people, <laughs> trying to watch the marvelous Mrs. Maisel at the same time as Kay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> it's the challenge. Uh, <laughs> Kay, who you have not invited in. Yeah. Uh, you know Sad what? Do you, did you also on your giant seventy-eight inch TV, Boydie? Did you watch the new trailer for the second season of Amazon's The Wheel of Time? <laughs> You sounded like no. Partridge when you said that. The yeah. Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. It sounds like a game show. Yeah. Alan Partridge and the Wheel of Time. Um, no, I didn't because I can't even remember which one that was. What was that one among the many? It was the fantasy one that Amazon really cared about before they got Lord of the Lord Rings. Lord of the Rings, yeah. It's the adaptation um, of the Robert Jordan books. Yeah, but what was it like? What was it about again? I mean, that's a very complicated question, Boydie. I mean, I could go into it at length if you want, but I'm not sure Kay would survive it. Was it the one where it was kind of fairly, like, rural setting? It was sort of like a village where some yes. people... Yes, and the Trollocs and there was, like, thing, attacked. There was a thing under the floorboards or something? Was it that one? Like was a there under the floorboards? There were Trollocs in, that attacked them, trollocs, like man-beast yeah. things. Right, yeah, uh, I remember vaguely. I remember finding it quite frustrating. And there's all wispy magic. They're drawing on the yeah. magic, and the women use the magic, and the men can't use the magic because it drives the men mad. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. All of those shows have like an inn scene, don't they? Where they go to the pub. Oh, yeah. Have all, flagons, the pubs, all the pubs. Flagons yeah. of ale. There's someone singing. I think even The Witcher did it. I mean, probably The Witcher does it every oh, episode. Oh, of course. There's, yeah. there's always taverns yeah. in The Witcher. Taverns, every, taverns galore. Fuck off. We've had enough of those <laughs> fantasy Boy, taverns. not scenes. happy. No. Um, so in answer to your question, no, I did not watch that trailer. Did you? Uh, yes, of course. Oh. I may or may not have seen the trailers for the second season oh, already. So that's, uh... you, I can't believe you've got Prime Video wrapped around your little finger as well. Hey, I'm I'm saying nothing. I have only seen the trailers for <laughs> Wheel of Time season two, so I can possibly time. talk about it. Um, wow. Yeah. 
it's uh it's good stuff um okay. what else happened in news uh the last of us will continue for at least three seasons says craig mason if it starts production again <laughs> um yeah so that's exciting more last of us Kay in particular is very very pleased given that it was her favorite show of the year Stoked. uh so that's nine uh nice it, while we're talking uh tv news fox Mulder joined the picket lines oh yeah and had a sign that said the residuals are out there well done, yeah. very government. good. That's yes, good. That was but he good. actually, that's pertinent, isn't it? Because he had a big dispute, didn't he, with Fox about he did, uh, residuals yes, for Because his residuals vanished into the ether yeah. and were abducted by aliens. Yeah, those absolute buggers at uh, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Alleg- allegedly, allegedly, alleged buggers alleged at Fox <laughs> tried to tried to allegedly do him out of huge amounts of money. They cl- they, yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I tell you what, the most exciting thing of the week, though, which you haven't got to yet, as you were revealing all your news is that the new sonic screwdriver has been unveiled for doctor who yes because russell t davis posted this on his instagram and i wish i understood i know the doctor has it it's like his swiss army knife but is this is this is is this significantly different like what's yeah tell me about the sonic screwdriver it's a whole new look it's basically a glossy silver shade um it's got gold trim it's got like wheelie bits kind of like difficult to describe it's got like kind of another yeah like a kind of you know like little like things like you could spin, kind of spinning metal, metallic bits. <laughs> okay, I'm not describing right. it very well. Okay. Listeners, anyone interested will have seen it anyway already. <laughs> but there is one in the extraordinary ongoing publicity machine for the new Doctor Who, um, which is set to begin this autumn with the David Tennant um, three-parter. Uh, it's very exciting. And it's got a, it glows blue. The sonic energy glows blue. So it's, it definitely looks significantly different, this sonic screwdriver from the last iteration of the sonic screwdriver and for doctor who nerds like me it is uh exciting oh yeah can i stand it yeah okay you you are the last person alive i thought would be looking up what the new sonic (laughs) screwdriver looks like no i know it's just because i was so bemused by what boyd was talking about i said let me have a look at this yeah it looks like basically a dremel what yeah Clearly, clearly neither of you are DIY people. <laughs> no, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't have you down as a DIY person either. I, I'm the, you're talking to the man who cut off half his finger while attempting to prune some plants. It's probably for the best. Uh, but uh, yes, boy, can I let you in on a secret? I am actually a little bit excited about the new season of Doctor Who. Wow. The That's combination good. of yeah. the notorious RTD and Shuki yeah. Gatwa, yeah. and and the fact that RTD has been extraordinary in his kind of sort of like hype building central led yeah. machine, yeah. I'm I'm very very keen to see yeah. to see what yeah. this is. And now yeah. you've seen yeah. the screwdriver. Now I've seen the screwdriver. It's off the fucking chain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Another news story here, which is kind of irrelevant, but I'm just looking at news here. It's Interview with the Vampire Season 2 halts production. Now, first of all, duh, everything is halted production. That's not really news. But the reason I mention it is because we still haven't seen it, because it still hasn't come here. And my question is, why not? Boyd, I hold you personally responsible. I don't know. It's bizarre. I agree. It's absolutely bizarre. What um, what was it on in America? Was it on? It's AMC, isn't it? Over there, AMC, sure that uh, and and the Mayfair Witches as well. They're both mostly the Immortals yeah. Universe. The Anne Immortals is Universe. Weird because AMC does have an outlet here, which is pretty much just like you know, spin-offs of The Walking Dead. And what was The Walking Dead on? The Walking Dead was on. Uh, well, that's on Disney Plus now, but yeah, Disney Plus now. It is, yeah, it's, it's annoying. Yeah, it's very annoying. That seems to have got lost in the ether somehow. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. Obviously, you and I, I think have both seen a couple of episodes, yeah. right? Yeah. Because we were sent some screeners. We've seen some. But it's really, really good. And I want the rest of it, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, now that the strikes come in, maybe they'll do this. Maybe they'll go through their archives and find all the stuff they should have aired but didn't, and we'll get to see it. 
Well, maybe just they'll just ditch it from the archives and we'll never get to see it ever. It, I mean that that's that's possible. Yeah. Um, okay, here's some here's some non shutting down TV show news that Dune: The Sisterhood is continuing filming despite the strikes because it's a mainly British cast and they're working under equity contracts, not SAG contracts. So Dune: The Sisterhood has not shut down. It's another woohoo, Dune. Another woohoo, woohoo yeah. for Dune. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so please, please that Dune is going ahead. Uh, you know, because we'll then get to see it. So that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah, exactly. Any other news before we shut this down as well? No. No. Okay, we're done with news. Right, let's head into the home stretch with this week's reviews. And we begin this week with Ghosts of Beirut on Paramount Plus. And this is a four part espionage drama about the hunt for Imad Mugnier, the Lebanese terrorist mastermind who outfoxed the CIA for 20 years and was known as the Ghost of Beirut. Boydie, as the elusive ghost of pilot TV, what did you make of this? This is a really weird one. It's mm-hmm. um yeah, it's it's a it's a four-part recreation of a key figure in the 1980s Hezbollah attacks in Beirut. It's 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 a look at that whole period, which is a very complicated time. Um even if like me, I actually am probably, you know, more interested in this than most normal people. You know, I, I take an interest in Middle East politics quite heavily. And even I was like fairly bewildered by what exactly Israel was doing in the, at the time, what America was doing in terms of um, putting soldiers in this place and what the and what the Hezbollah was doing, what the what the Lebanese government was doing. Oh my God, it's a complicated situation. And this is a f- drama trying to deal with this whole thing focused on, as you say, the manhunt for, for Imad uh, Magnia, this notorious figure. Um, but it's also got intercuts right from the beginning. Um, actual people, real people, experts on this this whole subject, doing Talking Heads interviews. Now, I know this has been done before. I mean, I, I think probably, I was going to say famously, I've just just pulled myself back from saying famously. <laughs> probably. Oh, good. See what you did there. It was, I, I think the first example of it that I'm aware of, anyway, was Warren Beatty's film Reds. Back in the day, probably back in the eighties, I think that film was uh, in which he starred with Diane Keaton about communism, etc., in Russia. And he had famously had uh, real people commenting on what happened in that time. And so that it's it's not a unique um, way of doing it, but it is an odd thing to do because you, I kept th- I kept watching this, thinking, well, I just maybe I just want to see the documentary about this this thing rather than a fairly cliche drama in which we get to see the young Imad, this young man who's end up going who's going to end up being um a Hezbollah terrorist effectively. And you know, he's with his girlfriend, his girlfriend's doing, Were you there? You know, at the time when this huge bomb went off and he's like not 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 telling her the truth. And they have like a domestic, you know, about him becoming a terrorist, basically. And that is a scene I've seen many, many times before in all kinds of shows. Um and I don't think it adds much to the to the story or to our understanding of the situation, to have this fairly one-dimensional young man whose motive for doing what he's doing is because his whole family was killed. You know, it's just, it's just, it seems fairly simplistic to me. And then you've got Dermot Mulroney, and what I have to say, unless I'm very much mistaken, some terrible ageing makeup, unless he just has got old in a really weird way. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but, let's hope not. Yeah, but let's hope not. I don't think so. I think he's just in some... Terrible aging makeup as Robert Ames, this real life CIA boss, who's in this telling of this story, 
And forgive me if I'm cynical about the CIA, and you know, I, but I am. You know, anyone who's read anything about the CIA will know it's not a it's not an organization with much to kind of you know positive things to say about it. But he's this like you know great guy who's like trying to bring peace to the Middle East and deal with all sides. He's been told to fuck off by the Israelis and blah blah blah. I I didn't quite buy his role. Bottom line, I found it. I found it a bit ridiculous, a bit annoying, a little bit like, what's the point? I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated to know, like, like this is a Paramount Plus show, right? They've commissioned it. It's a new. It's a, it's it's a new. It's only four parts. Like, do they really think it's going to get? They're going to attract new viewers or something through this show, through this drama? It seems like an odd one, and it seems fairly expensive. Like, it's fairly well shot. There was one bit where a bomb goes off and they don't show it, and you're like, well, that's obviously they've they've you know they've uh, they've saved a lot of CGI. Uh, visual effects but on the budget by not showing this one but it doesn't need to equally fair enough it's a creative thing to do but it looks fairly it's very slickly made you know and put it, together oh I think? thought so maybe maybe well, not okay well so so the bit you're talking about the, the bit where, yeah. where a bomb goes off and you just you just you don't see the explosion like it no. cuts away yeah so you don't see it there is another scene in this first episode where a bomb goes off <laughs> and it is one of the worst things I've ever oh, seen okay. really? whereby whereby not only are the effects absolutely shocking but the reaction to the person when it goes up he just, the person just goes and then this fake cgi explosion comes and you're just love, like what is happening i love your your performance is brilliant but yeah i know what you mean yeah i didn't i watched it on my laptop did you watch it on your tv i did yeah i think that sometimes because often you you say you're t- you talk about some terrible visual effects which i often think oh were they that bad and i think sometimes it's to do with because i'm not watching it on my 78 yeah. screen i was watching it on my uh, little laptop my 12 which laptop whatever it is so i didn't that the vfx for that exposure didn't strike me as being terrible but that the, your, that reaction shot was hilarious <laughs> right unintentionally hilarious it takes itself quite seriously which it has to for the subject matter yeah. i'm just not sure who is this for like, but, that, that yeah. people fascinated to know about the goings on in beirut in 1980s that they want to watch this four-part drama which is quite simplistic anyway and- the talking heads just threw me so mm. much because you get a dramatic sequence and then you get what looks like are these the actual people or their actors? I genuinely no, couldn't they're tell. Oh, people. I actually they're the actual they were people. Actors. I couldn't even tell. And then and then it's and I and I suddenly thought this <laughs> genuinely, I swear to God, because I'm not looked up what the show was beforehand. When you got to that first talking head, I was like, Oh, this is a documentary. So that's why the <laughs> acting was so terrible in the first thing, because it was just a quote unquote reenactment. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh no, it isn't. This is actually a dramatic show. But for some reason they're dropping in documentarian talking heads to give you a bit of exposition. I just it's a very odd way of handling this isn't it yes no they're, but they're real people honestly i believe it's confusing on many levels i'm not really <laughs> I, I mean i'm not gend up on middle eastern history as you can probably well no i was gonna say as you could probably expect i might be but no so it was it was sort of confusing on that level but yeah the talking heads i thought they were um actors and i thought oh god they're doing a really convincing job of like <laughs> <laughs> of uh seeming like they're the um the experts or members of the cia or whatever but I did think it was really interesting, how, not knowing a lot about that. You know, I did think it was interesting and it's beautifully shot. And I felt like I was learning something, even if it, they start off by saying it's a fictional account, but they say of deeply researched events. So I felt like I could take a lot of it um, as, you know, being quite accurate. But yeah, 
I was. It's, it's not something I'm going to keep on watching. No, like that. ignore me. No. But I think you, I think what they've done is they've tried to split the difference, and they've got the worst of both worlds. Like if you want like a really slick dramatization of this, you wouldn't have gone about it in this way, and you'd have I don't know got a budget. But if you just want the information, just do make a documentary. If you want talking heads, just do mm. a documentary. I'm I sure it's li- really I, interesting. You know I would have liked watching a documentary about it. Right. But I would have preferred. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? There was a recent documentary it's called Once Upon a Time in Iraq, and then there was a follow-up called Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland, which is a brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It covers, uh, it, it's obviously not the exact same subject as this, but the Iraq one, for example, is a brilliant example of how essentially talking heads, telling a story can can be absolutely extraordinary TV and it really makes you understand the situation much better. Because this is a smattering of them, it just doesn't work. It is confusing and it doesn't work on, on any level really. But I'll tell you what, this is only a minor point, but it did. it's very interesting that you both, that you wondered whether they were actors or not. And I'll tell you mm. what the giveaway is. I was immediately, these are definitely not actors. Because it's so interesting how real people on a, in a real life situation, being asked to talk about something on camera, behave very differently to actors. And I can all, I guarantee you, I can always tell when actors are doing it. Do you remember in at the end way? of, it's just some, you can, it, they're just too polished. They're too. Oh, it, finessed, like they've practiced yeah, it or they sound Exactly. Bite-y. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember in, um, I think it's, uh, in, no, what, what um, oh, what's the film? Interstellar has fake talking head uh, stuff in it, right? The film, uh, the Christopher Nolan film. And yeah. he has, he has, so he has staged talking heads, which are played by actors, to, to to make it seem like it's real. His depiction of this, of what happens to the to the planet, and and they're, and they're absolutely fake, and they ne- never for a million for a minute would you think they're real. But I I knew absolutely from the start before I checked, and then I checked, and on Wiki- Wikipedia it says it, it contains real life interviews with prominent officials from the CIA and Mossad. I'm like, yeah, because no one could do that. It, it, so it's Unless they point. were exceptionally good actors. Is yeah, what you're but saying. I just don't think even then. I'm sure they're exceptionally good actors in, you know, in Interstellar. It's just something about it. It just comes off as not quite right. So it's so, basically it's being so good at acting that you can act as if you're not good at acting because you're yes, not an actor. It's like yes. it's, it's a whole meta inside yes. your own process type of thing. Exactly. Okay. And that is the most interesting thing about this show. <laughs> Boy Day, if we wanted to watch um, Once Upon a Time in Iraq, where could we watch it? I believe it's on BBC iPlay, okay. Hmm. I might do that. Can I make an exceptionally James observation? Go on. Yes. The sound the barrier makes when it goes up. <laughs> There's a barrier that lets the cars in. Oh. And this one at the beginning, it makes a very particular squeak noise when it opens. Mm. And then there's another barrier about 10 minutes later that makes the identical squeak noise. They're totally different barriers. They make the exact same squeak sound effect when they open. And it bugged the shit out of me. Maybe, it's they clearly... just squeak. Maybe they just squeak the same way. No, it's a stock sound effect. And the problem is, like, you know that you know the Wilhelm scream? Do you know the Wilhelm scream? Yes. So the Wilhelm scream, which has been around for, for literal decades and decades, it's in Star Wars and everything. It's just the sound of this one guy screaming. <coughs> and they use it. And filmmakers often drop it in as a joke. Like it's you, you hear it in so many films and they drop it in almost as a reference now because it's a stock scream effect. But... There are stock gate and door opening effects that have been around for decades. That this is people such a James Point. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah. But the thing is, once you hear them, you can't unhear them. Like once you identify these, you hear them in everything, and they're identical. And the only reason I know them so well is this: there was a video game which you will have heard of called Resident Evil, and Resident Evil came out on the PlayStation One uh, in the mid nineties. Now. 
because it was a PlayStation 1, when you went from room to room Resident Evil, you had to load the next screen. And how the way they did that, how they covered the loading was, they had a picture of the door you were about to go through, and then you saw the door open, and then you were in the next screen. So the door opening covered that, and the doors used to make these sound effects. And there were maybe six, seven different door opening sound effects. But those exact same sound effects from Resident Evil are the same ones they still use on TV shows today. And it is fascinating to me. But because I played that game so much, and I heard those sound effects so many times, they are burned into my ears. So I can hear them... In every time they're ever used in any film or TV show, I hear these fucking sound effects and it drives me mad. And this same sound effect, one of these Resident Evil sound effects was used twice in this episode of this show and I'm calling it out. And that is my story. So it was it was a barrier to your enjoyment, literally. It was literally oh. a barrier to my enjoyment. Yes, very good. Brilliant. <laughs> now I come to think of it, I was just looking at, while you were doing that, which is frankly amazing, um, as you say, legendary, legendary piece <laughs> James of James explaining, which I fully admire. I just checked on the interstellar thing. In fact, some of them were actors, but not all of them. He took some footage of those talking heads from a documentary about the Dust Bowl, interestingly. So as a mixture, I think you can tell the ones that are actors and the ones that aren't interstellar, just to, just before people write to me saying, ah, but there were some real people talking about real things. Not all of them. Thank you, and very much, and goodbye. I think you'll find we've uh, analysed the hell out of uh, this show. I think we have. And after that, we are very much ghosting Ghosts of Beirut. Uh, But it comes to Paramount Plus on. He looks at the calendar to see if he can find out very, very quickly. Before we continue, it comes to Paramount Plus on... The 27th, Thursday, the 27th of July on Paramount Plus, then. Correct. Next up this week... We have The Power of Parker on BBC One, which takes us all the way back to 1990 and sees Conleth Hill as the owner of a chain of electrical stores inspired, I can only imagine, by Rumbelows. He is in debt. He has a wife. He has a long-term mistress. His whole life is falling apart. Kay! Has Parker indeed, like Snap, got the power? He has. Well, he he eventually gets it for me. So when I started watching this, so I know that Boyd... Spoil- this is a spoiler, but he reviewed it for Heat. And from what I can remember of his review, I remember him enjoying it. So, and we roughly like the same thing. Or, you know, I, I probably lean more towards Boyd's TV choices than yours, for example. So I was like, Because oh. you're not a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. And I like it, you know, like I like comedy and sitcom, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, and I've got to admit, like, I wasn't feeling this at first at all. And I just, I wasn't laughing and I was like oh my god what's and I was thinking what is wrong with Boyd <laughs> that was my first thought um but I'd say three quarters way through halfway three quarters way through it just really suddenly kicks in for me kicks into gear and I became invested in the story because there's some really smart clever little things that happen in the plot that um really sort of intrigued me and so overall and then I then I watched one or two episodes afterwards because I was like oh yeah I really got into these characters and I'm really enjoying it now so I would say that if anyone's watching it if you're not instantly drawn in I would highly recommend just sticking with it a bit like Shit's Creek where you're just you know you're not sure about it it does it does get going um well I'm glad you liked it in the end yeah I I Mm. did like it I liked it from the start I mean I have uh hosted the Q&A full disclosure Mm. Um, compromised yeah (laughs) Compromise as ever, um, but I really liked it. I think first, I think Conleth Hill is brilliantly cast as this absolute doofus of an egomaniac 
um, kind of yeah. thinks thinks he's like the ultimate ladies' man. He's got brilliantly slick back hair, um, kind of fake tan. Um, deals with his deals with his poor staff in these in these electronic chain that he runs um, with a horrendous like dictatorial manner, um, and has his mistress and his wife and all of that. I just think he's so good in it. And remember, he's so this is written and written and created by. Um, uh, Sean Gibson with Paul Coleman and Sean Gibson is, is in it as his mistress and um, they both wrote on Peter Gay's car share and on, despite the title Peter Gay's car share was in fact not written by Peter Gay he co-wrote it but with with um, Sean Gibson and uh, Paul Coleman and there is a bit of a Peter Kay feel to it I think you can mm. imagine in another universe Peter Kay playing and James is laughing like, do you hate Peter Kay? <laughs> I, I mean yeah. I, don't know what, okay. I don't know what to tell you <laughs> Peter Kay one of the most popular stand-ups in the history of comedy anyway so there is a slight Peter Kay quality to it and you can imagine Peter Kay doing that role if you remember Conleth Hill obviously James knows Conleth Hill mainly yes. for his Fantastic. Paris, the spider. And he was brilliant as Varys. I think he was one of the best performances in Game of Thrones. He was so Agreed. good in that role. Perfect in that role. Well, he, he he's a mate, he does, he's in an episode of Peter Gay's Car Share, which if anyone hasn't seen it, he plays a, he plays a, a woman who's become gone to the um, annual fancy dress party as a Smurfette. And he is in blue, <laughs> he, from head to toe in blue, including his entire body painted blue. And he's fucking hilarious in this episode, Peter Gates Karsha. It's genius, honestly. It's one of the funniest things. Even James, I, I'm, I'm like, when we, do mm. the next, when we do the next cultural exchange, remind me to force James <laughs> to watch this episode because Conleth Hill is so brilliant in it. What, of Karsha? Yeah, Karsha. Now, you, FYI... No, and last night, randomly, I thought, oh, I really want to watch Car Share, like, because it's one of the gaps in my TV knowledge. And I can't find it anywhere. It's not an iPlayer. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You could probably have to get it on DVD or something, because that's probably all to do with the rights that Peter Kay's got. I don't uh, Yeah, I know. I, it doesn't surprise me it's not, on, it's not on iPlayer. Yeah, it probably will come back at some point, I reckon, but you might have to get the DVD. We, obviously, you won't be bothered. Um, uh, it might be, and uh, now I need to find out where it is. It must be on some kind of streaming service. It might be on a on iTunes or something. You can't anyway. oh, stream it anywhere. You oh. can buy it digitally on right. Apple. Uh, oh, right. it's like you can buy it on the Sky Store. You can buy it on Amazon. But yeah, you can't stream it for free anywhere. Right, yeah, you have to pay, pay for it, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, well, that's all by way of saying that I think the cast in this, Conleth Hill, Sean Gibson, and Rosie Cavaliero as his wife, are all phenomenal. Um, George Costigan is also in it as um, as. Uh, his wife's dad who hates him and he's really funny I think the setting really works in 1990 it's the end of Thatcherism it has got even though it's quite a broad comedy in many ways it has got stuff to say about that whole era like he is definitely a Thatcherite figure um, uh, Parker this guy this horrendous guy um, and I, I love the music choices loads and loads of great music 80s music Yazoo um, off the top of my head, Flock of Seagulls, Human League. Um, I wrote them down somewhere. Great music choices. And it does have interesting twists and turns, as Kay said, which make it more than just... It's not really... It's kind of like an ongoing story, really, rather than like a traditional sitcom. It's a six-part story that I'm sure they intend to come back and they'll, and they'll, they'll do more. But it's... it's um, I think it's really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You remember when we made Kay watch Foundation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So So... 
I would just like I would like to refer you to her reaction to Foundation, and you'll have a fair idea of how I basically survived this one. I did make it to the end, though. Unlike Kay and Foundation, uh, that said, it was only half an hour long. I mean, it's not. It's 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 a hundred percent not my thing. Like I like I say, I hate Peter Kay. I don't find him at all funny. I, he makes me want to claw my own eyes out of my head. Uh, <laughs> wow. and, and and this this show didn't quite do that, but I didn't enjoy it. It's just I I didn't find it funny. And obviously the plot isn't, you know, it's not what you'd call plotty. So if you don't find it funny, I'm not sure there's a great deal left for you. But it definitely did not but tickle my think, funny like, bone. Three quarters way through when some stuff happens, it gets more, you know, you're even more engaged with it. I was did, not engaged. Not, I've got to be honest. I okay. didn't I, I didn't engage with the characters. I love Conleth Hill. And that's one of the reasons why I was actually feeling quite good going into this, because I do think he's great. Mm. Uh but it it just doesn't again the comedy for me it's just too broad and therefore I don't find it funny and therefore my attention wandered I think was was more to to her I thought oh, they yeah. did a good job of recreating the you know the period setting I thought that was well yeah. done and actually it, it, the one part of this I did enjoy was that whole idea of you know like him working or owning I should say this Rumbelows type store because as someone whose first job was in one of those stores oh, <laughs> you know it kind of I was like oh god maybe that's it it just triggered me the whole thing was like a horrendous flashback to when I used to work at yeah. Tempo in Staples Corner Tempo uh, yeah brilliant <laughs> what were you James what were you like as a salesman I was dreadful I remember my first day it was literally the first job I ever had he, he said the phone was ringing he said answer the phone I just picked up and went hi <laughs> I, was like, no, I didn't know how to answer a phone in a shop hi uh, Tempo Hi, and then they tell me how to do it, and then you know I'd be flogging things like because the thing is with these these kind of shots like you're flogging like you know I'm not going to say anything that will in any way uh, sort of besmirch the good name of Tempo if they're even still trading, unless they sue me. But let's just say you know we had some problems with customers, um, and uh, and I would occasionally get forced to deal with the problematic customers. And I was like, this is little teenager didn't know what I was doing. It was Aww. very traumatic for me. Oh, that's what I mean. This is very close to the bone for you. This is triggering. Yeah, yeah. There are like eighteen-year-olds working in his fucking. Oh yeah, his- I was one of them. I was. Yeah. He's like, if you want this, you're gonna have to use this. Pointing to oh, his head, you know. It's no. like that's exactly what the guy who managed yeah. the store was like. I mean, so maybe this this thing just hit too close to home for me. It's like when they opened up Dick Dixon's, I think, in Norwich for Alan Partridge <laughs> when he was going specially so he could get in there early. <laughs> he could get his, uh, his electronic equipment first. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good times. Anyway, mm. The Power of Parker, which is on BBC One. Uh, when is it, Lamboidy? Uh, Friday, 9.30. On Friday at 9.30. Finally this week, we have another half-hour drama. Uh, although one I enjoyed a lot more, in the form of Dreaming Spoilers. Whilst Black. Sorry. Uh, and this one stars a Johnny Salmon as Quabena, an aspiring filmmaker working a dead-end recruitment job while trying to get his kind of pet project, a film called Jamaica Road, off the ground. Kay, what were your dreams about this? I mean, does that make sense? No, I of course it doesn't. Can't be sure. <laughs> but the show has run quite long Dreaming, and I've kind of run out of things. Yeah, Dreaming Whilst Kay. Dreaming yeah. Whilst Kay, oh, that's much better. Oh, boy, um, you should take over this. I, I'm sure well, Steph will do a much week. better job next week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Um, oh, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> um, I really, I really like this. So I hadn't seen the pilot, um, which I think aired in 2021, was it? Um, and then it was greenlit for a six-part series. And I just, I just thought it was really well done. And it's based on real events. So it tells the story of this aspiring filmmaker um Kwabana, who is stuck in a dead-end recruitment job um and he really wants to sort of get out of this right he wants to make his films but he finds it really difficult to do so because he's trying to ba- balance you know like his love life with making money and like getting money flowing to enable him to like live out his dream um and i just thought it was really smart and funny and well observed and particularly around 
the sort of racism that he counters every day, like in the <laughs> workplace and in society, the sort of subtle and not so, so subtle conscious bias from everything from his white colleagues rapping at the <laughs> at the office oh party and dropping the N-word is like horrendous um, to someone uh, assuming he's selling drugs to, um, oh my God, this is the worst. Like I found this the worst. The Passag colleague um, asking him if he could eat his smelly lunch in the kitchen. And I was like, oh my God, so awful. And like, I just find all the characters engaging, particularly Corbana's character played by Ajani Salmon. Um, and yeah, so I just, I really like it. I really like what it's about and found it really entertaining and I will continue watching it. Oh, it's great. I love it. It started, this started out as a web series um, that Ajani Salmon created with uh, quite a few people as well then um they did the one-off um special as you say the one-off pilot um which is effectively the first episode so they're airing from monday on bbc3 if you watch it linearly though that you the first episode is basically the pilot that went out a couple of years ago and then the first episode of this series proper and then it's all on iplayer it's going to wear on mondays in double bills but it's all on iplayer as well in classic uh, bbc style but i think the whole premise of it, I love the whole premise of it, which is basically that, you know, can how how the challenges of being a black British creative person trying to get something, a project off the ground in, in, in you know, in film at slash TV, whilst, you know, whilst having to try and, you know, make it earn, earn a crust doing a dead end job in, in this particular case in recruitment to start with and in episode two. You see, I thought episode one, the pilot was so good. I watched it at the time and it's one of the best um, half hour pilots I've, I've, I've ever seen. It's such a brilliant episode uh, because it's partly like the office, you know, the, the, the setting of the, of the recruitment company and the, the doofuses who work there are, are reminiscent in a very good way. One of the best depictions of office life i think since the actual office since ricky gervais steve merchant's, merchant's legendary show and i i assumed when i watched that episode and then when i know, saw it went to series and this is like produced by a24 you know the american company who like famously make brilliant stuff like beef euphoria that's they're a heavyweight company it's like a hallmark of quality really and, and they've co-produced it with um with bbc etc i i just assumed that all episodes would have would be set in the office with him you know doing side hustles to get his try and get financing for his film but actually he's ditched the office setting completely for the rest of the series and he tell you know the character um quabs becomes a courier becomes a kind of you know what's it called um pizza delivery guy yeah or deliveroo uber eats type of type of bloke um uh which is the whole you know which is equally funny but kind of different and rests on different observations but the observations of him having to put with daily microaggressions from them from the invariably well-meaning but horrendously stupid middle-class white people he deals with and um you know there's there's the other character of his friend who's trying to help him um get the thing off the ground who works for a tv production company um uh amy played by danny mosley she's brilliant um she, there's a scene in the second episode where she's working for this tv production company and this woman comes in and she wants to make some move to touch her hair and she flinches and goes back and it's so funny then she then the white woman tries to hug her and she flinches and goes back again and it's so funny so those the points it's making about everyday racism are are, are are brilliantly observed, but they're just really, really, really funny as well. And he's talked in interviews, Ajani, about how he didn't want to make it like a particularly heavy part of the whole thing, but equally it's true. You know, it all rings so true because we've all seen this in action. And so that element of it is, is really smart and clever. I think he's a really interesting performance because 
his character Quabs, he's kind of like he's really likable. He's quite, but he's quite kind of like unthreatening and almost like quite internal and you know like introverted really for a creative person trying. To, so he like he doesn't know what to do and he invariably goes down the path of least resistance rather than make a fuss. You know, he kind of will just go along with go with the flow a bit, which almost hinders his create creative plans, his hopes and dreams. And that's a really interesting thing. So because it's not just blaming the outside world, if you like, you know for him having trouble he he is a part of it you know he's he's what he's like in the in, as a character is part of, of the reason why he's he's having trouble getting stuff made so i think i just think it's really i just think it's really brilliantly done and there's like a, a romantic element of it that i thought was really well observed reminded me of starstruck rosie matafeo um series a little bit the way it's done it's very understated um but funny really funny all the way through oh there's a cameo from peter serafinowitz in episode two that is fucking hilarious um uh, uh so yeah i thought i think it's great i think it's i think it's really really good I, it's hard to disagree it's 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 so good but it's so well observed and it's just i mean there are moments in this which are properly cringe yeah when for example there's a bit in a pub <laughs> where the barman well i won't i'm not gonna give away the joke because i'm not gonna spoil it but the barman let's say makes an uh, an, an assumption when he's buying a drink at the pub, and just the expression on his face is just it's genius and the drug dealer bit that you mentioned as well it's like that on its face value could have been a very straightforward observation but the fact that he then inverts that whole mm-hmm. dynamic and turns it on its yeah. head yeah and it's much much cleverer than you initially think it is it's genius and all the way through that it feels like it goes that extra yard that everything kind of works on a slightly deeper level and is a little bit more insightful and interesting than it could have been uh it's a really great screenplay it's really really funny uh, i wish the first couple of episodes of this i'd love to watch more of it like it's it's really good and i think he's great i really enjoyed his flatmate who always says the wrong things uh and and you know you root for him you really root for him to get out of this job and to actually sort of make it but it's just yeah i found it i found it a fascinating uh show and i thought it was really oh my gosh really well you know together. what we have found a comedy i that you like no i know it's, it's you quite have a found a comedy that yeah. i like it is Especially true you can see it is, it is a lot of it's the comedy of you know excruciating yeah. um yes. uh, stuff yeah and I, yeah. I won't lie there are a couple of minutes where i had to be like ah i'm looking away but generally <laughs> speaking it wasn't cringe it wasn't too cringe that it made me stop watching so that was uh mm. that was good Dreaming Whilst Black, then, which arrives on the BBC on Monday, in fact, the 24th, on BBC yes. Three, isn't it? Yes, yes, correct. It's a BBC Three show. What else is out this week, Boydie, apart from, obviously, Good Omens, which lands on Friday the 28th, Good Omens Season 2, which we will be reviewing on Pilot Plus. Uh, but other than Good Omens, what else have we got? Yes, Good Omens, as you say. There's From which is the uh, second season of the uh, sci-fi, Sky Sci-Fi uh, show. It starts on Tuesday. Yeah, I watched o'clock. all of season one of that. I've not watched any of season yeah. two yet. But that's we the reviewed, Harold Perrineau Jr. one. Yeah, we reviewed, we reviewed it on the show. We reviewed season one. Yeah. It was quite, I quite liked it, I seem to remember. It's a very high concept. It. It's an interesting yes. one. I, li- I, yes. I felt like at the end of the first season, it was either going off a cliff or actually going in a good direction. It was very hard to tell which way. So we'll find out in season two, yeah. I guess. yeah. Evil is another uh, American show back on uh, Alibi. This is the third season of that show, which we also reviewed. On yeah, this Supernatural Procedural. We like that one. Yeah, it was quite mad. I remember it was mad. Like, yeah, in fact, very mad is my <laughs> is my main thought about that. Um, Channel Four. In, this is happening a lot at the moment. Channel Four is airing a lot of Lionsgate Plus or things that were on Stars Play when it was called Stars Play. It's now called Lionsgate Plus. So from Wednesday, they're airing The Girl from Plainville, which was um, a true crime story, which is a, quite a good one, quite a kind of above-average true crime story. They're also showing the, the most recent Queer as Folk American 
show on Sundays as well, late on Sundays, Channel 4. So um, you can catch up with them. I think that might be about it, I think. Yeah. Uh, Heels, Heels Season oh, 2 Heels, also yes. comes on, that's on Lionsgate Plus, Plus as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's on the 28th, which is the that wrestling show, which, again, we reviewed that. That was decent. I like that. That was yeah. quite cool. Yeah. It was quite good, actually, yeah. Uh, so, amongst all of those things, what is our pick of the week? Oh, oh Dreaming uh, Whilst Black. Yeah, Dreaming Whilst Black. Yes, by some margin, I would say. Fantastic. Well, that is it for this week's show. If you enjoyed it, then obviously, as we say every week, please do go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the platform of your choice, and leave us a five swift rating. Uh, you can follow us on the social medias at Pilot TV Pod. We're also at James C. Dye, at Boyd Hilton, and at Kate Ribeiro. Uh, if you would like to continue to keep us in employment, please do consider subscribing to Pilot Plus if you don't already. So you get this twice a week, plus minor specials and exclusive hummus recipes. Can't say fairer than that. Uh, on next week's show, Michael Sheen is going to be joining us to talk good omens. Don't worry, we did that interview before the strike as well. And there are other shows next week. And frankly, I don't care what they are because I'm not going to be here. So it's not <laughs> my problem. He's D-Mob happy. I am. I'm over the moon. You guys watch what you like. It's fine. <laughs> what, that, what an attitude. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well... Until then, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Boydie and Kay, we'll see you next week for, for the Unmissable's triumphant return. Uh, until then, pilot out. Taylor's version. <laughs>